Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. And speaking of sexy bodies, everybody, how about keeping your little pet's body in shape? Mm, Think about that. Now, what does that have to do with your love life? I hope you're asking right now. Well, did you know that how you take care of your pets has a direct correlation on your love life? Now, think about this. The saying, love me, love my dog, may have some basis in reality. A new study suggests that pets can influence how we perceive potential dates. Plus, pets add some twists and turns in your love life, says The study of co-author Justin Garcia, an evolutionary biologist at the Kinsey Institute in Indiana. Now, one of the important things is that we have an expert here with us this evening, Dr. Judy Morgan, who's a nationally renowned veterinarian certified in acupuncture, food therapy, and chiropractic care for dogs, cats, and horses. Yes, we have a functional practitioner for animals. She integrates Eastern and Western medicine in her two award-winning practices in New Jersey. And after using traditional, old-school veterinary medicine to treat her patients for many years, she finally discovered a better way to help them live longer, healthier lives. Now, very important Dr. Morgan's going to talk about taking care of our pets and also what our pets have to do with our love life. She writes for local and national publications, has appeared on several television shows, and she promotes her pet rescue. All right, everyone, welcome to the show, Dr. Judy Morgan. Hello, Dr. Judy. Hello, and thank you so much for the invitation. (laughs) Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. A lot of people are saying that today... Pets are the new children for young people, for singles, couples, married people. It seems as if pets are taking the place of children. What do you think about that? (laughs) Well, my children are young adults now, and so they've moved out of the nest. And um, I actually just got married in May uh, and we have nine dogs. Fantastic. <laughs> we have nine dogs and four cats. We're and six horses. See, we're there was very more room act- in the nest once those kids got out, right? Right, and you know, and so we're very active in rescue. And these dogs that we've rescued, the, and even the—I mean, they're all rescues. And we dote on these animals. And they sleep in bed with us, and they have, you know, a big wardrobe. We cook their meals for them. And my kids come home, and they say, you know, I'm pretty sure you take better care of these animals than you ever did of us as your children. (laughs) And you know what? 
they're probably right because it's a little well, less stressful. Yes. Wow, that's great. So how did you get interested in being a vet? You know, when I was a child, we always had, you know, the, the family dog and, you know, then we had the goldfish that we got at every carnival and, you know, that replacing the goldfish. <laughs> yeah, and the little turtles and all that, you know. Um, but my mom grew up on a farm, and when she was a tiny little girl, her job was to teach the calves how to nurse from the bottle. And so she hmm. talked about that all the time. And then my sister, for some reason, very early on, she decided she wanted to have horses, and my dad is not an animal person. So there was always there was the three of us against my dad. And um, we, my dad finally relented, and when we were in junior high, he let us get horses and um, one of my show ponies had, he was very, very old and arthritic and he couldn't walk anymore. And my riding instructor's daughter was a veterinarian and she allowed me to participate in doing a surgery on my pony oh, to wow. take, the, take the nerves out of his front legs to allow him to walk better just so that he could be retired out in the field and, you know, just run around with the other ponies. And I just thought it was the <laughs> coolest thing I had ever done so for that was when I was maybe 12 or 13 and from that point on boy I was just bent in one direction and there was just never an option to do anything else oh that's wonderful you found your passion so young and you're living your passion now if you could say what is the most important thing that we learn from animals what would you say oh man unconditional love and trust. And I see that particularly with, we do so much rescue now. And our big thing is we rescue dogs that have been in abuse or neglect situations or the puppy mill rescues when they do the puppy mill raids and these dogs have been crowded and lived in little tiny cages their whole life. And we get these dogs and they've never had anyone be nice to them in their entire life. And oh, literally so within, sad. Oh. it is, it's so sad. And they come and you can see they're just mentally and physically broken. And as soon as you show them any kindness at all, it's an instant, oh my God, you're wonderful. And, you know, these dogs that have been so abused, they now sleep in our bed between my husband and I. We sleep with six dogs in the bed every night. We have a queen-size bed, so it's really fun. And there's usually a few cats in there as well. And And you guys are newlyweds. We may have to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really pretty funny because, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I realize that I'm hanging off one little sliver on my corner and he's hanging off one little sliver on his corner. Because it's no longer your bed. We know it belongs to right? And if we want to get close to each other, we have to kind of, you know, slide them around and push them to one side. It it just makes it a little more challenging. (laughs) Oh, it sounds like they know a good thing, and they have discovered they're completely safe between mom and dad, and that's where they should be. Wow. Absolutely. So when you think about your – so I'm just going to put you on the spot if you don't mind. You're newlyweds. And your dogs are an integral part of your family, clearly, very, very important. How does that impact your new marriage? Um, you know what? They are such an important part of our marriage and our life. Um, really a, a big focus of what we do is around these dogs, and they bring us together. And we have one little one right now. She's actually our youngest one. She's seven 
she has cancer, which we oh, just diagnosed um, about four heart. weeks ago. Yeah. Your husband well, is that also? No, he's an architect. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> um, and uh, he he cooks. Uh, I design all the meals for the dogs because I do food therapy. He does all the cooking for the dogs. He also does all the cooking for the family. But he does all the cooking for the dogs. And so I'll, you know, give him a list, and he goes to the grocery store, and he comes home, and he just – he really dotes on doing all this work for them. And so it's a project that we do together. And, and so now once a week we, we drive an hour each way to the oncologist, and we sit there with this little dog, and we mm. cry together. And so one of the things that this has really actually helped us is the dog we made her bucket list. We don't know how long she has. Right. And so so on a day off from work, for instance, usually on Sundays, we'll look at each other and we'll say, well, what's on the bucket list today? So we will take the day with that dog, and we'll usually take a buddy with her. One day we went down to the beach, the first time she'd ever been to the beach. So we just went to the beach for the day, and then we took her out to lunch. Yesterday, we went down to the waterfront over in Wilmington, Delaware, took her out to lunch, watched um, boat race, crew races on the river, and <laughs> it, it was actually a really good bonding time for the two of us because normally it's, you know, we all get so caught up in that fast pace, like, get this done, get this done. I've got more I on my list. No I have no idea my list. what you're talking about. Neither <laughs> does anyone else who is listening to exactly. this program. Exactly. So, you know, here's this little dog who's suffering from cancer. We want to cry. Except she doesn't know. She doesn't know. And she actually has a real zest for life. Oh, and good. she's so funny. Her so she's enjoying whole, her bucket list time. She is. She's oh. loving it. Her favorite thing in the whole world is squeaky dinosaur toys, <laughs> squeaky stuffed dinosaurs. <laughs> So she's got the, we've got this big thing going on Facebook, and we literally every single day get packages from all over the world with squeaky dinosaurs in them. Oh, my God, that's adorable. <laughs> so what you're saying is that rather than pets, even your little puppy here who is facing cancer can bring you together. Now, let me just throw some research out for everyone. There's a big study done, longitudinal study done at University of Denver, looking at the eight things that couples who've been married for 20 years or longer, those who rate their marriage as satisfying or better on a scale from absolutely awful, not satisfying, satisfying, very good to excellent, something like that, satisfying or better, one of those eight factors that those satisfying or better married couples have in common is something that draws them together. That's something that's a joint project. So certainly what you're saying is taking care of your little doggy children is part of what brings you together. Absolutely. It's, it's so everyone make part. a note. Make a note. <laughs> it can be your animal family members that are drawing you together in a relationship. And if your animal family is important to you and you're single – you know what I'm going to say. You're going to need to find somebody. Remember that movie, Must Love Dogs? Okay, you've got to find the partner who's going to share that passion with you. Because clearly, for you, Dr. Judy, this is a passion. Oh, yeah. And I have to know, how did you and your husband meet? The architect meets the vet. Oh, do I have to tell you? <laughs> 
we met online, and it's an embarrassment to me. Well, why is it and embarrassing? I, I, 50, wait, wait, 55% <laughs> of people who meet and marry today meet on. Like, where else are you going to go? You're not going to hang out in a bar. Well, exactly. we're past that age of going and hanging out in bars. Um, you know, and it's just when you have a really busy professional life, there's not a whole lot of time for, you know, going out and doing social exactly. things. Exactly. And, and there's not a pool. You know, the pool of people that you would have met had you been one of those, I'm going to marry straight out of college people, my college boyfriend, those days, A, are over, and B, that ready pool of single people doesn't exist anywhere except online. And yeah. it's a numbers game. You've got to meet enough people sort through. I have a friend who was the president of the California Psychiatric Association, and she used to say, kiss a hundred frogs, and then (laughs) you meet someone. So that's where you get a good enough numbers ratio. So good for you. You use the modern approach (laughs) to finding your mate. Everyone, take a note. Our (laughs) love dog could be waiting for you. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. When I met him, he had a, a new puppy that he, he had adopted, oh. and you know, and the, it was a 180 pound dog. Oh my god! He was a year old, and he'd had no training at all. And you, yeah, we used to joke, and 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 by the way, my husband's name is Hugh Grant of all things. <laughs> <laughs> so, but priceless. Right. So he's got this unruly, big, drooly, doofy dog. What and breed is this had, dog? I have to know. He he was a giant masso, which is basically <gasps> a cane corso and a giant and a mastiff mix uh, thing. Yes, a big dog. He, I, very adorable, but absolutely no manners at all. And he said, "Well, why did I have to train him? We were two bachelors living together." <laughs> <laughs> Both of them untrained. <laughs> and I said, well, and they were, it, you know, and it, it, took, it took a little training. But I said, you know what? That big thing is going to live in my house and be with my cats and my small dogs. I come on. <laughs> right. And did you whip them both into shape? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. But uh, Harley actually, the big dog, um, he was really actually too much. He, he he was such a goofball. He would literally run through the house and he would run between my legs and I'm short. I'm <gasps> only five foot two. He would oh, run between my legs my and lift me off the ground and I would literally ride this thing through the house and there was no way to get off. <laughs> oh my God, that is the funniest image. Oh. It, it was. It, it, and you were it, riding it a Harley. Up. We can't let it, that right. go. That's too, that's yes, too cheap a shot. Riding a Harley. Uh, okay. So, yeah. And so we actually... Um, Harley, we called the breeders and we said, can Harley come back and live on your farm? Because he's kind of a little much for our house and my cats. And um, and so he went back to live on the farm and he was very happy he went back to his original oh, family. Well, big dogs can be a lot happier when they can run wild, so to speak. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something for all of our people with pet family members. What is food therapy? Because I know that your bent in veterinary medicine is really running neck and neck with what's happening in human medicine. Last week, actually, on our uh, radio blog here, we had a human physician. She was human, and the people she treated are human, too, um, who is doing Western meets Eastern medicine, one of the first functional medicine physicians in the country, and she had a lot to say 
about that approach and its advantages for humans. What about that approach for dogs and animals? Oh, it's huge. It is so huge. Um, so this, you know, the the two really do parallel each other. You know, there's this big debate and controversy over vaccines in children and people, and the same vaccine controversy exists on the veterinary side. And for decades, we have just vaccinated animals every single year because when vaccines first came out, somebody just said, well, we'll just give them every year. Well, now we know that the core vaccines, Semper, Parvo, Rabies, last much, much longer than one year. Some of them will actually last a lifetime. And so we are now trying to move away from, you know, the old standard of care, which, you know, was really just overkill and was really causing some immune system damage. We're finding That's the what same I wonder. thing. So it's immune system damage if they get yes, the vaccine. Wow. Exactly. Um, one of the other big things that I, I really just I, I cringe about are is the use of all the chemicals. You know, we really live in a quick fix chemical world. And so somebody sees one flea and they go crazy and they want to bombard their animal with, you know, here, I'll give them a pill and then I'll put some spray and then I'll dip them and then I'll spray the house. And, you know, it, before we had those chemicals, we could still handle these problems. And if you have an animal who's really healthy, they're not going to be overloaded with parasites. So the chemical world thing really just makes me a little bit crazy because I don't think the chemicals are bad for the animals, for us, for our environment, and for our world. And you don't I think, think they're really good, you're <laughs> They're really bad. We they really are really bad. Okay, got it. Got they're, it. Yeah, they're really bad. Um, and then the other thing is food. And um, pet food, you know, dry food kibble that we pour in the bowl is not what is the healthiest thing to feed our animals. It's a convenience for us. If we look back into the, you know, the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, you know, what did the what did the dogs and cats eat? They ate whatever they caught outside in the barnyard or whatever scraps were left over from the food table. And what did we eat? We ate what we grew in our own gardens. We didn't eat all this processed chemical, you know, salt, dye, sugar that we do now. And the pet food industry has really gone to that whole processed food. And it was interesting. I was reading an article today. Uh, cats are carnivores, and so they're supposed to eat meat. Dogs are omnivores. They can get away with eating things other than meat, but they really are meatosauruses mm-hmm. um, when it comes down to it. Dry kibble is considered a high meat product if it has 30% meat. Oh, wow. So that is not even close to what our animals are supposed to be eating. And so when you when you buy one that says, you know, we have a really high meat quantity, you know, this food is one of the highest meats, well, then it might be 31%. And they're allowed to say that it's a high meat quantity if it has 31%. So I wonder if not... half those are. Uh, Let's leave it right there on the political side. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and they're not enforced is the other problem. So um, basically the big, the top six pet food companies in our country are owned by human food companies. The reason those human food companies have the pet food companies is one, they're a multi-billion dollar. I think I added it up. It was $35 billion a year in pet food. Um, But it's also a place where they can put, the waste products from the human food industry. Wow, we can actually make money on them if we throw them in the pet food and just cook them to death so that they're, you know, they're not toxic anymore. And then we add a chemical supplement for the vitamins and minerals. Yippee, we have pet food. We can sell that for a bunch of money. We just took our waste products and now we're making money off of it. 
Oh, and that's really goodness. what it is. Oh, that's a yeah, painful realization. I didn't know that. I'll bet that's news yeah. to most of our <laughs> listeners. So what do you recommend? Okay, get your little note-taking devices out, everybody. What are your top recommendations, Dr. Judy, for all of our pet families? So we really do want to feed them what they're meant to eat, which means it needs to be a high-meat diet. The only way we're going to get that high-meat diet is to either go through one of the raw pet food companies, and I know a lot of people really freak out over the idea of feeding raw meat. Yeah, I, I used to do you, that for my cat. I had Primal yeah, and all those different yeah, yeah, exactly. things. Yeah, exactly. And her, those are, her those are really meat. good. Yeah. Yep, and the, they they make freeze-dried raw, so if you don't want to handle that wet meat and stuff, you know, they make it freeze-dried. It's really nice, and all you do is add hot water to it. It's like, poof, it, it poofs back up, and there you go. You've got a high-meat diet. Um, for the cats, those those diets like the primal, they're 95% meat, bone, and organ. That's what cats are supposed to eat. Um, so we, I like the raw food companies. I like some of the freeze-dried companies. There's Honest Kitchen, Dr. Harvey's. And, and with those, they either come with the meat already in them and you just rehydrate it, or you can cook your own meat and add it to their base mix so that you know you have a balanced diet. don't have to worry about adding the vitamins and minerals. Now, what so, about vitamins and minerals? Because you also talk about supplements for animals. Because, right. look, so, people, the important thing here is if you have a family member that has fur and four legs or maybe even feathers, <laughs> you want your family member to be healthy. And this is really right. important. So what about supplements for our pets? Okay. So, um if you're not using a processed product, so if you're not going and buying like a raw food or a freeze-dried or something that's made by a food company that is giving you a balanced product, then if you're going to do home cook your own diets, which I'm all for that. I've written two cookbooks on how to cook for your dogs and how to balance it's to make sure that you're getting everything for them. Um, but you, the big thing that you need to balance is the calcium. They have a, a higher calcium requirement. So we have to add a calcium and a, a mineral supplement for them. Um, and there are some really good vitamin supplements out there on the market as well. So, um, And then the other thing that we really tend to ignore with our pets is their dental health. And uh, I see more animals with teeth rotting out of their head. If you think about it, we oh. brush our teeth twice a day at least, and we still go to the dentist twice a year. With our pets, we don't do that. And in order to, you know, take them to the dentist, which would be me, um, we have to sedate them to really scale and polish their teeth and really do a good job and get all the surfaces of the teeth. And that scares people. I get it. It's very scary to anesthetize your animal once or twice a year to have their teeth cleaned. So one of the things that I've done is I went on a search and we just actually introduced a product from New Zealand, which is a dental drop that all you have to do is put drops in the mouth once a day and it cleans the teeth and keeps the target wow. from building up and makes life much simpler. So, you know, we're, we're looking at, at ways. So and drops I will tell you, you if, just put in every day and it keeps yep, the dental hygiene. Great. Yep. Yep. And then so later, that, do you have to do any of the other scaling and so all that? You may still have to do scaling, but you'll do it a lot less. The, the gums will heal a lot faster. But the other thing is, if you feed a species-appropriate diet, so these animals that are fed the raw food diets or, you know, the home-cooked that are, are the high-meat diets, those dogs have much, much less dental disease to begin with because the problem with the kibbles is their carbohydrates. Carbohydrates break down to sugars. All those sugars stick on the teeth. That causes plaque. That causes tartar. That causes bacteria. 
That's why we see so much more dental disease than we used to. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So, Dr. Judy, if you were to talk now directly to our couples or singles who are looking for love, what would you say (laughs) is the best way to integrate your pet or pets into the relationship? Because that's sometimes a challenge. I actually have people who come to our trainings, who come into my private practice, who are having problems getting the pets integrated you know it can be difficult and and i have to say you know when i was dating i would say well if my dog doesn't like you then you know that's a that's a bad sign you know know, you have to make sure you know i have people that come to me and they say well i have to rehome my cat because my my boyfriend or my fiance doesn't like cats and you know and i and i look at that and i say well how much do you like him? Like, that's a bad sign. <laughs> you know, like he's already tried to change who you are, and you've been a cat person for the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And I know you, and your cats are really, like, my daughter is 23, and she had two cats, one passed away, and so then she adopted a dog. She's not even dating because her animals come first, and anybody that she dates, if the animals don't like them, they're just off the board. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand that. I can't imagine giving up your pet just because somebody doesn't like them. But how do you integrate it? Say that person who was having trouble with a cat wanted to really figure out how to make friends with somebody else's cat or dog. What advice would you give them? So, one, you know, one of the best ways to make friends with an animal? Feed them. Yes, that's what I figured. Because so, they will love you, know you forever what? if you're the food yeah. If you're the food source and you're handing out the treats and you're sitting on the sofa and you'll give them belly rubs and, uh, you know, it's funny. My grandfather hated cats. I never had a cat as a child because my dad, you know, grew up in a family where, you know, my grandfather used to say the only good cat was a dead cat. Oh, oh, that's painful. I know. And even after I was a veterinarian, he gave me a book kind of as a joke, but it was called 101 Uses for a Dead Cat. It was this little cartoon book. And I thought, boy, this is really bad. Well, when my grandfather was 90 years old and he was living in assisted living, I was the only person who would go get him from assisted living, bring him home, let him have lunch or dinner with the family and with my children. And I had cats. And my cats, he would sit on the sofa and they would go sit on his lap. And I have to tell you, my grandfather just looked at me and he started petting the cat and he said, this cat is your cat. You love your cat. I love you for letting me come to your home. I'm going to love your cat. Oh, my goodness. That makes me want to cry. That is the sweetest story. So your cat tamed your grandpa and totally twisted the grandpa around his little paw. (laughs) And cats are that way, I will tell you. Don't I know. know. If there's there's a cat hater in the room, they are in their lap. They're like, hi, I'm just going to purr all over you. Right, and of course the person who's allergic will get the first pet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've we've now – so here I'm a newlywed, and then we also just moved in with my parents. We Mm -hmm. bought my dad's sick. You have a full house. We do. We have a full house. So we just bought this this bigger house and moved my parents in, and we have all these animals. So now there's 10 dogs because they have a dog too. And my parents are not cat people, and we have four cats. And so – the cats just for some reason in the middle of the night they will go in and jump up and sleep on my dad who you know same as his dad not a cat person 
And he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, Sally, there's a cat on me. And my mom's like, well, how is that? And he's like, I think it's purring. Oh, sweet. So we so have just a couple minutes left. I so love the image of the cat on your dad. I think that is adorable. <laughs> and being a big-time cat person, of course, I love all animals, but cats are my fave at the moment. We've had everything from, oh, God, please don't get me started. Snake, <laughs> I have a grand snake right now. My daughter has a oh, beautiful golden ball python. We've had guinea pigs, hamsters, rabbits, uh, dogs, of course, cats. Um, I, I know I'm turtles, fish, birds. Oh, birds. Birds were big. <laughs> oh, so moving I had a bunch on, of those, yeah. You have the final couple of minutes. What do you want to leave us with? in terms of what we really need to take away about this unique approach to integrative care for our pets. Okay. Well, first of all, you need to be your pet's advocate, just like you would with your child. So when you go in, don't blank. You just don't accept this blanket like, okay, he needs to have 16 vaccines and he has to have all these chemicals. Don't accept that you need to do all of that because well, there how are. Often and don't should, how often should animals be going to the vet? They should be going in for an exam at least once a year, and when they're older, they should go in at least twice a year. But they shouldn't be getting vaccinated. Okay. The vaccine. They, they just don't need. So you need so to go in, but you need to have a discussion. Not the vaccine, and you right, need to have and the not discussion. all the chemicals. Okay, not all the chemicals. To, be an advocate. Right, and and understand what really is in the pet food, and and know how to choose the best one for your individual pet, because there is no one size fits all. Um, and I will say on my website, which is drjudymorgan.com, I write that blog, down, everybody. <laughs> it's drjudymorgan.com. I blog almost every day. I just did a whole series on the pet food industry, but I talk about the chemicals and I talk about what that to look for. That sounds more like an expose to me. My God. Well, and That's heartbreaking. But, you know, what you're saying, <laughs> I, I just want, because we have to tag out in just a second, I just want to say if we treat our pets the way we treat ourselves, most people know that junk food isn't good for them. Exactly. So how could it be good for your pet and put right. that, that extra time and energy into thawing. It's not that big a deal to thaw, I know, because I've done it, the frozen <laughs> And, yep. you know, knowing that your pet is getting the best care, I mean, to me, that feels really good because I take it good does. care of myself and I want to take good care of my pets too. So everybody show forever. them the same <laughs> unconditional love so that you have them longer, they're healthier. Everybody wins in that equation. And exactly. Dr. Judy Morgan, I love what you're up to. Everybody get that website. That's drjudymorgan.com. And I understand you have three books that I are do. out there. And we can grab those in a bookstore. Or they're, must, they're on Amazon you must, or they're go on to Amazon. website. I always advocate the bookstores first because there are a few left <laughs> in this country. We want to patronize them. And if you must, go to Amazon. But try to go to <laughs> Or you can just get them on my website. <laughs> Good. They're on the website, too. Thank you yep. so much, so much Thank for you. sharing with us how to love our animal family members better. And thanks for all the great stories about your animals and your family. I totally <laughs> relate to the cats finding the people. <laughs> They do. don't like cats. My my friends who aren't cat people go, did you sick your cat on me? It's like, no, nope, she can sense who you they are. They do know. 
<laughs> right. So everyone tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Marianne Ryan, who's going to talk about loving yourself after pregnancy. Ooh, that's a challenge. And if you or someone you know is expecting or just had a baby or grandchild or whatever, you're going to want to tune in and learn more about that. Big, huge thank you to our producer, LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning, to our sponsor, Rainbow Grocery. And if you want to learn about love, join me this Saturday, October 8th. Did I get that right, Cliff? It's October 8th at our brand-new event center in San Francisco for five secrets to finding, keeping, and growing true love. All right, everyone, thank you. Blessings. Bye-bye. Oh, and you can register on Eventbrite or just hit me back at love at docwade.com or Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade. All right, good night. (laughs) 